0: Welcome to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church in Harvest, Alabama. We invite you into our sanctuary as we dive into God's Word with our pastor, Dr. Al Perringer. Well, tonight I want to go to Genesis chapter 3 as we're taking a deep dive into Genesis and, uh, you know, just trying to, trying to understand the beginnings of things and uh, what's going on at the beginning. And we've looked at the first two chapters. And there in the first two chapters, we see God uh, at work. He's building his creation. He's forming it. He's filling it. He's preparing, uh, you know, he, you see him preparing creation and preparing the earth for the epitome of his creation, that is mankind. We are the imager of God. We are God's image. We are God's vice region on earth. And we are given a charge. We're given a charge to fill the earth and subdue the earth and take dominion of the earth as his vice-regent. Uh, the one singular man could not do it alone, though, and so uh, God created a helper for him, and together, you know, they, they were to start uh, reigning uh, over the earth. And when, what we read in chapters 1 and 2 is that everything is good. Everything is prepared to fulfill the function for which God created it. And so Adam and Eve, they're placed in the garden in the geographical area known as Eden, and they were there tending it. And, you know, we, we, we go to chapter 3, I mean, and obviously we, we know what happens in chapter 3, so uh, things kind of take a turn. And, and we really don't know how, how much time elapsed between the end of chapter 2 and the beginning of chapter 3. But, you know, God, He spends two chapters talking about creation and how He formed things and filled things and prepared things and, and who mankind was supposed to be. But then, you know, that's just two chapters out of the entire Bible. And then right into chapter 3, we get some some problems. But th- this chapter answers one of the, I mean, probably the biggest question that has been asked ever since mankind has been around. And it's probably the greatest question that's used as a weapon against Christianity. It's the question about evil. It's the question about wickedness. It's the question about if God is good, like Christians say, and if God is omnipotent, all-powerful, as Christians say, and if God is omnibenevolent, all-loving, as Christians say. Why is there evil? Where does evil come from? Well, Genesis 3 gives us the answer. Evil was introduced into God's creation by a creature who had free will, who decided to rebel against God and then lead others in that rebellion. You know, in both the heavenly sphere and in the earthly sphere or the sphere of of physical creation, God created moral agents who were given a free will to fulfill God's function and purposes, and and these agents had a free will to obey him or, or not. And God deemed that this was the good. This is what made things good is that the moral agents had that free choice. They had that free will. God did not create robots. He didn't create robots in, in the heavenly sphere, He didn't create robots on the earthly sphere. Love from a robot really isn't love. You know, I don't care how it's depicted in Star Wars and Star Trek and all those you know, where, where robots have personalities and, and, and things like that. I mean, if we did not have that free will and we were mere robots, it, it, wouldn't have, it wouldn't have fulfilled God's purposes in the way that God wanted his purposes fulfilled. And so these creatures in the heavenly sphere and then these creatures here in the earthly sphere had free will to obey him or not. And not to get too far ahead in, in uh, the story, but we, we obviously, obviously know from experience, well, guess what? These free creatures decided not to obey. And so the, 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 the introduction of evil is done here early in Scripture because then from here, all of Scripture is about God and His plan of redeeming mankind in spite of their rebellion boy it sure would have been a short Bible if God created things and then man rebelled and God decided not to redeem we wouldn't have gotten past Genesis 3 that would have been three chapters of a Bible but all the rest of the Bible is about God and his love for mankind and him putting into motion the plan to bring mankind back to himself. Of course, again, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Let me read chapter 3, verses 1 through 7 of Genesis, where it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than other beasts of the field that the Lord had made, Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, She took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And we'll stop there. So, up until this point, there's three main people that God has in- introduced, I mean, God introduced himself in the beginning, God created. God is, is, is the creator, he is the ultimate, he is, he is over all. But then God created mankind, he created Adam, from Adam he created Eve, and, and so these are the three main, uh, I mean, I hate to use the word characters because it makes it sound like, you know, it's, it's a fictional story, which it is not but you know they're the they're the three main folks so far. Well, now a new person is introduced. and he is described as a serpent. Now, uh, the funny thing is that the origin and backstory of this serpent, this snake, is not given. I mean, we by tradition, I mean we normally connect the serpent to Satan, which I mean, you know that that's we learn that later in Scripture, that that's who it is. But, you know, as far as the, the, the telling of things are going now, I mean, you know, it's like, well, who, what, where'd this serpent come from? Where'd this, this creature come from? You know, we, we we're not overly sure yet about this, this thing, this creature. But there's a reason why it is described as a, a, a snake. Now we do know this, I mean, you know, we might not know a whole lot at first about this creature that's introduced, but we do know that it is a creature, that is, it is a created being, just like everything else. It's compared to the other created beings. Now, the the serpent, the picture of the serpent, the picture of the snake was an oft-used symbol of evil and wickedness in the ancient Near East. And and often it represented the forces of, that were opposed to the creator god now one study on the biblical on biblical backgrounds you know kind of tells us how the snake was used in in the ancient near east for example it says that in the gilgamesh epic after gilgamesh acquires the magical plant that will rejuvenate him that plant is stolen by a snake in the story of adipa one of uh the guardians of anu's palace and, and uh uh, it, it, where Adipas offered the food of life, there is uh, this creature with a name that I can't pronounce, so I'm not going to try. But this creature is serpent-shaped and is accompanied by horned serpents, and they are the guardians of the demons of the netherworld, and they fight against the creator God. In Egypt, the serpent was associated with both death but also wisdom. Elsewhere, the snake god Apophis was considered the enemy uh, of order, and so the symbol of the snake was forces. You know, represented the force that opposed that was opposed to God. It, this is a creature. This is a definite person. Well, not human, but you know, it's a definite something with personality. This is there is a serpent. There is a Satan. There is this being who is opposed to our God and everything that he does. And being called the serpent shows his character, shows who he is, shows who he was like. Now, you know, I mentioned um, in, in the backgrounds that the serpent actually was representative of both evil and wisdom, which sounds like a strange combination, But if you consider it, um, what is said here about the serpent, I mean, he obviously is evil, but he is described as being crafty. And I'll talk more about that in just a second. But in Revelation, you know, the serpent is described as well. It's funny, you know, at the beginning of Scripture, the serpent is described. At the end of Scripture, the serpent is described, and in Revelation is where we get a you know, maybe you could say it's the most full description of this creature that we receive. Because John, uh, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, with everything that's revealed to him in Revelation, he just piles on all these different descriptions and, and pictures of this creature. In Revelation 12.9, it tells us about this guy. It says, the great dragon was thrown, dr- thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And, and so, I mean, here's description after description just thrown at him. I mean, here he's called a dragon. Again, a symbol of evil and wickedness in the ancient Near East. He is the ancient serpent. The John, well, under the, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is pointing back. You know that the dude right there at the beginning of Genesis, it's this guy here. It's this Satan. It's this dragon. He is the ancient serpent. That was described before. He's a dragon. He's a serpent. He's a devil. That that word for devil means a slanderer and an adversary. He's God's adversary. And he slanders God. And and, you know, we notice as, as we read Genesis 3 that he slanders God by twisting his word. He slanders God through his word. He's called Satan, and the word Satan means God's enemy, and adversary. It says that this creature deceives the whole world. You know, he started by deceiving Adam and Eve, and he hasn't stopped since. And so we have a creature who's described as a dragon snake. And he, you know, he's given all these pictures and names and characteristics, but guess what? He is still only a creature. He is still only a created being. You know, in all of the, be it the ancient Near East or even modern religions and pagan religions and false religions and things like that, you have good versus evil. You have these different forces fighting against one another and you know sometimes one side is winning sometimes the other side is winning and it's a back and forth because according to these religions that these forces they're almost like equal in power not here i mean you read scripture there is no doubt that this satan this dragon this serpent is merely a created being he is not god no one is like God. This is not an even fight. This is not a going back and forth, well, you know, sometimes Satan's winning, sometimes God is winning, and, you know, back and forth. No! God won. God won. I mean, and in fact, here in, in Revelation 12, where, you know, there's it describes this, this... It describes the work of the dragon and how he's trying to, to eat up the... You know, Weird to say that, but I mean, eat up the child that the, that the woman was bearing. You know, it was, it was a picture of Israel giving birth to the Messiah. And, and, and Satan was trying to stop that and to, and, and to destroy Jesus, not knowing that by sending Jesus to the cross, he was sealing his own doom. And, and it, it, right here, even in Revelation 12, it, it shows that, you know what? This dragon snake is a defeated foe already. But we don't know that, I guess, here in Genesis 3. He is a dragon, he is a, he is a serpent, he is a devil, he is a Satan, he is a deceiver. And it says in, in Genesis 3 here that this serpent is crafty. He's more crafty than any of the beasts of, of uh, the field. It doesn't necessarily equate him in the same category as the creatures. The NIV, you know, he, it, it translates uh, verse 1 this way. It says, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals that the Lord God had made. And, and so, you know, that you think about it, that Adam and Eve, they, they may not have had any other interaction with heavenly beings. I'm not overly sure. But, you know, they, Adam especially had a lot of interaction with the wild animals. I mean, he named them. There's an elephant, there's a horse, you know, things like that they they had an interaction with the wild animals and all of a sudden this creature comes along and it's different than these other creatures and 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 it, it, you know it he he's crafty he's he's different than these other creatures you know they, they knew all the wild animals okay here's a here's an elephant here's a you know a this and that what in the world is this thing now you know I know some you know some might say that well Satan he entered into a snake and was speaking through the snake I don't think that's necessarily what it says I mean I'm not I'm not you know discounting that You know I had a professor who had an interesting theory His theory was that Now, I don't know exactly how spiritual beings have a form or what spiritual beings look like because they're invisible to us kind of in the here and now. But, you know, what do they look like when you're able to see spiritual things? And his theory was, okay, so you know how when uh, the Chinese, they have their Chinese New Year and they're out in the streets and, you know, they're throwing firecrackers and things like that. What, what is the creature that they dress up in, you know, that they parade? It's a dragon. But have you looked at the dragon? It looks like a snake. It's a dragon snake. So, I don't know, his theory is maybe Satan kind of looks like that. It's a dragon snake. He's a dragon snake in his form. I don't know. But anyway, it says he's more crafty. You know, here's all the other animals. Here's all these other creatures. Okay, here's this thing. And boy, it's crafty. That word means Cunning, clever, prudent, shrewd, and in and of itself, it's not a bad trait. Because Jesus Himself said it's actually a trait that we're supposed to have. In uh, Matthew ten sixteen, Jesus said, "Behold, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves." But the word there that the ESV translate as wise is the same. Greek word from the Septuagint uh, that that means crafty here in in Genesis chapter 3. And so Jesus is actually telling us to be prudent like a snake, to be crafty like a snake, which very much sounds strange. I mean, hey, I want you to be crafty like a snake, and that's a good thing. But, you know, it it is. So what that tells us is that the characteristic of being crafty and being prudent in things is not bad in and of itself. It's how you use that characteristic that matters. You can be wise, you can be prudent, you can be crafty, you can be shrewd. But what else does Jesus say? You're supposed to be innocent. You're supposed to be innocent like a dove. And so you are to use your craftiness for good. Well, the serpent didn't use his craftiness for good, that's for sure. And so that means he rebelled against god now we don't know when he rebelled against god we don't we we don't know when he decided to do his thing we know that we we know elsewhere from scripture that he was arrogant and and prideful and and, but we don't know when that happened did it happen somewhere between chapter 2 and 3 did it happen somewhere between chapter 1 and 2 did it happen? somewhere in chapter one things like that um, I don't know I mean I like to speculate about these things or talk about these things I was reading a book the other day and it's not that I've never thought of this before because I, I probably have but I just never given thought about it th- given any thought to it until you know I'm, I'm trying to prepare for this but, but what the book said is that the serpent Satan, he rebelled right here. This was his rebellion. He saw God make this creation. Because, you know, in Job it says how the sons of God were, were at creation and sung God's praises because of it. And, and, you know, he may have been doing his thing. We, we use the term Lucifer, I guess, for him. And he's doing his thing, whatever he was created for. And he sees God create this universe. And he says, hmm, you know what? Maybe I want to rule over that. Maybe I want to do that. Maybe I want to mess that up a little bit. I want to, I want to stick my foot in it. So we might be looking at the rebellion right here. Where, God, where he decides, you know what? I'm going to, I want that. Or I'm going to mess that up or something. I don't, I, I don't know. So we might be seeing here in chapter 3 the initial rebellion of the serpent. So, I mean, I don't know. He's crafty. He's working on the down low. He's sneaky. Metaphorically, he slithers into Adam and Eve's lives. He kind of inserts himself into the story here. And so he's crafty. And he starts speaking with the woman. And, And, you know, the woman doesn't seem overly startled or repulsed by this. She doesn't like run away, shrieking like, "Oh my goodness, the snake's talking to me!" or you know, whatever. Or whatever this thing's talking to me, and um, you know, she did. It's not like again, spiders, spiders, and snakes, and all the creepy crawlies that were, are kind of creepy crawly. We think right now, those were created good, and, and, and so Eve didn't like <laughs> spider. So Eve wasn't Eve wasn't uh, overly freaked out that this creature was talking to her. He, he's crafty. He's he he works his way way in. And, and you, know, you know the thing we gotta also consider is who uh, Satan is, because you know okay we we think snake ugh. ugh whatever but again you know that's a description of his character that's a description of who he is you know snakes weren't icky before the fall and spiders weren't either they definitely are now though but you know that here's the thing satan the dragon serpent whatever his you know whatever he looks like whatever his form is he's actually a very beautiful creature you know, we, 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 we think that Satan looks like the monsters from, from the horror movies, right? We, we think that Satan is this grotesque monster that we see in horror movies. But, you know, if, you, if we assume that like Ezekiel 28 verses 12 through 17 is describing Satan and just for, you know, there's a debate about that, but I'm just going to go under the assumption right here that it is. I mean, what Ezekiel 28 says about this creature is that he's the model of perfection, he's full of wisdom, he's perfect in beauty, and it even talks about him being adorned with all sorts of precious gems. And even later, the the apostles describe him as an angel of, of light. And I don't, you know, I don't know... Know how, how much to make this connection, but uh, the, the Hebrew word for serpent might actually also be related to the Hebrew word for bronze, and it might be describing him as shiny and, and luminous, something that would really catch the eye. And, and so, you know, we, we, we assume that Satan is this grotesque monster, and we'd be able to recognize him the second we saw him because it'd be the most frightful thing we ever saw. No! Satan is actually very beautiful and draws you in. I mean, it's just like the sin that, that he peddles. I mean, sin for a time looks good and kind of draws you in and digs you down, you know, you, get, you dig down deeper. And so on the outside, yeah, Satan isn't a monster as the way we think of monsters but on the inside the same passage in Ezekiel he's described as being wicked and violent and sinful and arrogant and proud and corrupt and so here's this beautiful heavenly creature inserting himself into part of creation a part of creation that wasn't meant for him I mean earth was created for mankind not the heavenly beings and he finds Eve in the garden. He starts to talk with her, and this is where the craftiness comes in, because he uses this craftiness for wicked purposes. He begins by questioning God's word and twisting God's word to create doubt in her mind. He's questioning God's motives. Now, here's the thing: you know, when he's talking, he doesn't like outright lie. Meaning, I mean, you know, every word that comes out of his mouth is not a lie, but he most definitely twists. And he misrepresents. And that's some of the most dangerous lies that are out there. The lies that have a good amount of truth in them. And so he repurposes God's word to achieve his agenda. So Eve, did did God really say that you can't eat of any tree in the garden? I mean, no, what God said was they were free to eat from any of the trees of the garden except the one. But Satan, Satan doesn't want Adam and Eve focusing in on what they have. Look at, all, look at all these hundreds or thousands of trees and all its beautiful fruit. You can have any one of that. He doesn't want them focusing on those. He wants them focusing on the one thing they can't have. And boy, isn't that human nature now, huh? And it hasn't changed since then. We focus in on the things we don't have. I mean, you see, you see kids playing together. They, they have all these toys to choose from. All these shiny, wonderful toys. They, these toys over here might be nicer and flashier, but what do they do? They focus in on the toy that that other kid has. Look, you can play with all these toys over here. I want that one. Look at what you have. I don't care. I want that. Man, it started right from the beginning. Satan's focusing in on what we don't have. Satan starts focusing in. Yeah, I mean, to God, and he's twisting God's word. I mean, did God really say you can't eat from these trees? Well, you know, no. But he doesn't want focusing on that. So, yeah, we got it really far tonight, and I want to close it out so that, that, that we can have time of prayer. But, you know, as we go further into this study, um, you know, we're going to see the serpent doing his serpent thing. And, and, and here's the thing. The tactics that he used back then are the same tactics he uses now. He doesn't have to change his game plan. Because it, it works every time. I mean, it just works over and over again. Um, and we have to beware of them. That's why we're told, put on the armor. Beware of his tactics. Satan is a lion looking to devour you. We have to be careful of, 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 of Satan and his ministers twisting God's word. You know, he, he, he has ministers who teach and preach for him. But they twist God's Word and they appeal to the flesh. And sometimes people can't, can't resist that. So if we're going to resist Satan and we're going to resist his ministers and resist his angels and resist his messengers, you know, we need to know God's Word and we need to know God's Word in context. And so, you know, every time that we get into God's Word, look at it with fresh eyes and, and learn from it so that we, we know when Satan is twisting right? What did Jesus do when he was tempted? Every time he went to God's word, it is written, it is written, it is written. And you you notice even in, in the temptation of Jesus what Satan does. You know, go ahead and jump off this precipice here, and you know, because, well, God's word says that he won't let your foot dash against a stone or anything like that. He's twisting God's word. He's twisting God's promises, and so we have to be careful for that. And so we need to be aware of that. The serpent and his workers are still active, very much active, and we have to be careful of that. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at harvest-baptist.org, or find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can also find info on our children's ministry on Facebook at Harvest Baptist Children's Ministry or on Instagram at KidsQuest underscore HBC. Our student ministries on Facebook at HBC Vertical Student Ministry and on Instagram at VSM underscore HBC. We welcome you to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. We are located at 8999 Waltrana Highway in Harvest, Alabama. Thanks for listening. And God bless.